0: This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. begambleaware.org Please play responsibly. Oh, oh,
1: oh, O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's
0: get you taken care of. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and tonight I'm delighted to be joined by Laura Bradburn. We're here for the match day. This is a full-time reaction from Axom. Celtic 2, Hamilton 0 overall. Laura, what was your thoughts on that performance?
2: I think certainly um, the second half uh, or the second goal I should say uh, was a blessing and a curse because what it did was obviously tie the game up for us but it also killed it off to a great extent. It became a bit of a training exercise after that either because of um, the team's own lack of motivation to to push for more goals or just because um, Hamilton didn't exactly make it too easy for us even though I don't think they are you know anything to write home about in terms of a team but at the end of the day um, regarding the way we've played recently and the last few results a victory of any description whether it's a dull one or an exciting one is, is one to be happy about I
0: think so, I mean I'm sitting here thinking just like you were in the first half um, you know with the Celtic TV in front of me and Sky Sports showing the Rangers game to my left you're still hoping as a Celtic supporter um, every single game that we can claw something back until it's mathematically impossible that's what you do as a football fan I'm a realist, I know where we are but you still hope that there's just a, a wee glimmer of light every time you're playing the game Rangers are grinding out results no matter where they go I know that there's plenty of Celtic fans Will point to a refereeing decision At Easter Road this evening But they're getting the one nothing. So I think the most important thing is Just concentrate on getting these wins so uh, first and foremost Philip Halloran comes in on YouTube, if you are watching on YouTube ladies and gentlemen please subscribe because I think only about 20 or 30% of our viewers are subscribing so um, click the subscribe button, it won't cost you anything but you all get free content on a daily basis and Philip is coming in to say we won tonight that's the main thing, hail hail, there are nights like that, Um, there always are depending on um, this season or throughout the nine in a row season sometimes you're just thinking get the win get home and everyone will be happy Kaplow Mark comes on to say completely uninspiring a team with no direction or purpose now have to accept that this is where we are now We were concerned yesterday as the news kind of trickled through that Frimpong was on his way. That's been confirmed today. There was a suggestion that there was a a parting swipe by Frimpong. Uh, No one could actually attribute that to the player, but there has been an official response by Frimpong, basically thanking the club, thanking Lenny, thanking the fans. Um, So again, fake news, Laura.
2: I mean, it's one of these situations where I, I didn't see the post myself. I didn't hear anything about it um, until uh, I was watching the podcast. And so whether it was real or fake, whether it was one of these Instagram stories that comes and goes, um, I, I'm not entirely sure. Um you know any professional worth their salt is going to you know try and leave the club on good terms wherever possible, and I think he's done the right thing coming out and putting to rest uh, any particular issues as far as that's concerned. I, I, I don't think, regardless of any issue, he would have had uh, that there would have been any issue with the fans. I think the support for him was clear while he was a player for us, and uh, I think hopefully for the majority of Celtic fans, you know, we'll see this as a good bit of business and, and wishing and well for the future?
0: As a Celtic fan, Laura, we've seen it so often over the, over the you last few years where we bring in a player of, of real potential who won't be able to break into, let's say, PSG or Man City's first team. So we bring them in, we develop them. Um, as a Celtic fan, it's now pretty difficult to become attached to any player because you, even when it's one of your own, even when it's Kieran Tierney, in the back of your mind you're always thinking, well, you know what, the time will come. Uh, and I think that's difficult for Celtic fans as well because what we see or our, our view our team as being, our club as being, You know, um, there's a romanticism about that. We think everything that that Celtic stands for is important. The nine, the ten in a row was important. But to a lot of modern footballers, we are just a stepping stone. Do you think um, a lot more Celtic fans are coming round to accepting that that's the situation?
2: I think so. I think, um, to be honest, if if you're not accepting of that situation, then... um, it's only going to go one way because Henrik Larsson left us in what 2004, which is 16 years ago now. And the fact that he stayed for seven years was seen as a rarity at the time. you know so you're talking about he was one of the last of his kind at that time. And that was 16 years ago. So, you know, for us to be sitting in 2021 sort of saying that we expect any kind of loyalty from any of these players uh, is, is something that I don't know that we can hold on to very much. I would like to think there will still be the odd exception. Um, Callum McGregor and James Forrest are two of those that we still have just now. And, and I don't think that you need any more than the one or two odd ones because to be honest, you know, Throughout your history you, you, that uh, out of every era of Celtic teams, you know, bar, bar the odd team like the Seville team or the, the Lisbon Lions or the Centenary team very often uh, your memories are of individual players. It's not of an entire team of players. And so um, even if we can make sure that we have those kind of lasting loyal heroes, even one or two to build a team around, I think that's the way we go forward. And we just use the ones that come in and out of the club properly. We we bring them in, develop them and sell them on for for profit to to sort of reinvest in the squad.
0: So, Let's actually view it that we're using them just as much as they're using us. Then, Laura,
2: I, I would say so. I mean, I, I think, I think as a club, we can spin it to our advantage. You know, With have a situation with Virgil van Dijk where we, we got him in at a fraction of the cost that we sold him for. He then goes again a couple of years later and becomes one of the most expensive players in British football history and we get a cut of that as well. You know, there's a, there's a business model to how that can work um, and as long as you keep that in balance with um having some of the homegrown talent and some of the the sort of players with celtic at heart that the right mix of that can be the way that we can go forward as a modern club i think
0: I think it does. It is important to Celtic because it's part of the identity of the club, isn't it? To be able to have that kind of association or an affinity with a player who's come through the ranks. We think back to the legends of old. who many of them went from the the, the jungle to playing for the side. I mean, you've mentioned Charlie Nicholas a couple of times tonight, and he was one one such player. Um, you've also mentioned Turnbull uh, in the midfield and a player who, obviously, um, you compared him to. Earlier on the season, Paul McStay was yeah. another one who went from Celtic fan to Celtic player. So I, I, can't I do tell you, the stick I
2: got for that one, by the way.
0: <laughs> you did, you did get a wee bit of stick. I mean, we will be mentioning a few other names from the past as well, because obviously uh, Celtic were wearing black armbands tonight uh, due to two figures from the club's past. We'll, we'll come to Doctor Joe Vengloss and Shaggy Valson at some point as well. Now, James Pearson eighty eight is talking on YouTube. He says, "Game of two halves, really lovely." footwalk and build up play to our two goals but second half we look tired square passes forcing the ball great to get the victory but I wouldn't say it's perfect I think that um, I felt you know a wee bit frustrated myself James I would agree with that Uh, I think when we've got uh, a team like Hamilton who are the worst team in the league. They're sitting bottom of the league. They're always fighting relegation, Hamilton. And I think, you know, Chipper Rice does a great job um, of, you know, week in, week out trying to lift that side on a shoestring. But, you know, once we go to 2 nothing up quite early in the second half, that's when we should be looking to try and do it with a bit of panache, do it with a wee bit of flair because, you know, the Celtic support is watching that and it is a wee bit uninspiring. We're, you know, the the tempo of the game is kind of drawn out. We're passing it from side to side. We're not really seeing the, the build-up play, the scintillating play that we would expect. Do you think, Laura, at that stage, that's when Neil Lennon should be looking at it and saying, you know what, I'm going to utilise the substitutes at that point?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think that's one of the main frustrations that a lot of Celtic fans would be having, even if we were in a situation where we were winning more matches. You know, that was what was so um, amazing about Brendan Rodgers' time in charge. You knew that if he got a couple of early goals, you were probably in for a good afternoon or a good night, because they never let their foot off the pedal. They always went for the throat. And we're in a situation as well where it's not just a case of entertaining the fans at home. If there was any chance at all of us catching points wise we're still got a deficit to, to Rangers in terms of goals so we should be taking every opportunity we can to to take that goal difference back down to as a minimum as possible and you know a few 5 even maybe 6 nil wins sprinkled in there can do a lot to to cut that majorly down uh, so I come away from it feeling a little bit disappointed that when you're 2 nil up within a few minutes of the second half that you don't go on to capitalise on that
0: uh, a couple of interesting points coming through uh, on the comment section from YouTube Funkman05 that sounded like a team going through the motions go to up and then just down tools and subbing players for no reason did a Yeti even touch the ball and James comes back in to say good for a Yeti to get minutes but James feels that uh, Mickey Johnson and Welsh uh, should probably get minutes ahead of St Myrna. it was a good opportunity uh, to give them minutes also cross ball still give us problems turn ball doesn't make the the 90 again. Does that concern you at all David Trumbull failing to, to play the full 90 minutes? I,
2: I can only assume that there there's a specific reason for it because I don't ever think that I've seen him come off and thought that was the right decision to take him off the park he's always been performing uh, reasonably well or in some cases been the best player on the pitch when he's been taken off um so I can only assume there's some background reason for that I would hope that whatever the issue is uh, he's not going to go uh, on to become a kind of Tom Rodgeich who is notorious for not playing 90 minutes at any point um uh but if it has just been a case of, you know, wanting to give other players uh minutes on the park, there's there could have been opportunities to, to take other people off. You know, Callan McGregor seems to play ninety minutes week out week in, week out, and has done for years now. Um, even the chance to give him a slight rest might have been an option rather than Turnbull and let let Turnbull get ninety minutes under his belt just to see how he holds up.
0: I agree with that and I think the worst time to uh, give McGregor a rest was in the League Cup against Ross County you know so it is all about squad management isn't it there's quite a lot of comments coming in Ewan Boy Martin says it was bland a win but not impressed whereas Linda Grace Watson comes in to say bland is not what watching Celtic should be and also we have Ewan Boy coming in still not a great performance very average and I think you know the win is all important Of course it is. But what you want is you want some kind of um, encouragement that, you know, you you get this impression you've heard about. uh, It's come from Celtic. It's come from Neil Lennon. that We've got people who are unhappy playing for the club. One of them obviously has left today. And what you want to see is you want to see some of the players that perhaps don't look interested you want to see them up in the tempo a bit don't you I mean Roger came on he didn't have much minutes on the park but he's a guy that for me I know everything that he's done for the club and a couple of times this season he's looked good but he just has that knack of looking completely disinterested there, there does seem to be a lack of tempo at times and it's it's a bit concerning and we've raised it time and time again that kind of post 65-70 minutes Laura we do look tired we do look fatigued is that again something that we need to address by getting as many subs on as possible, freshen oh. it up
2: I think, you know, the bigger issue that we've all discussed previously is that fitness in general is an issue, whether it's the training uh, regimes, whether it's diet or whatever's happening. We're certainly not looking as fit in general as we have done under previous managers. Um, but while that's the case, and if, and if nothing's going to be done behind the scenes to improve that, then we have to take advantage of this, this extra substitutions rule that we've got this season. And, you know, rotate quickly, especially in a situation where, with all due respect to Hamilton, they never looked like they were going to pull themselves back into the game, so there was no risk, really, to, to changing anybody or taking anybody off or putting anybody on. There was there was nobody there that you would have thought coming off the bench, uh, they'll not do the job. So, um, I would have utilised it fully tonight. Um Either that, or like I said before, if you're going to not utilise it as heavily, then go for the throat, go for the four, five, six goals, and try and get make a real statement. Because at the end of the day, a, a slightly dull two 0 win against Hamilton is is excusable if you're putting in great performances any other week, um, but off the back of the run that we've had. A, a two 0 dull win against Hamilton is not going to satisfy people, and it isn't because we we expect the team to come out and try and make a point and try and uh, you know prove prove the doubters wrong. Basically, say you know if Lee Griffiths is coming out in the paper and defending the manager uh, against everything that we are criticizing him for, then shows why we should we shouldn't be criticizing. Show him why he's such a good coach to you, and and come out and put the performance in that proves that.
0: No, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly now. Sean Ross is coming in via YouTube to say build a team around Sorrow and Turnbull. Sorrow got the man in the match tonight, I, I don't think I would disagree with that. When I look at the Celtic side, Laura, we understand that you know a player comes in and there's a cycle, so that player comes in and it's Van Dijk, there's a cycle, then he leaves, Wanyama. Dembele, we know that Edwards coming to the end of that cycle, he's going to be off. The unfortunate thing that I think has happened with this squad is that too many of those players are coming to the end of the cycle all at the same time and, and you've got four or five, maybe six players who will be leaving but they're pivotal to the squad. You know, Ayer, Christie, hopefully not McGregor, um, Eduard and of course Frimpong is already away. Um, when you're looking at that team and you're trying to, to pinpoint the positives moving forward, you know, if a new management team team is going to come in in the summer, they're going to be looking at the positives such as Sorrow and Turnbull and thinking, you know, let's build the team around those two players unfortunately I can't see guys like Ayer being here long term so I look at the defence and I wonder who is who's going to be the the, the keystone of that that defence, I mean I don't think we've got one at the moment to be totally honest with you, yes uh, Taylor is young enough but I don't think he's been imposing or influential enough we don't have that at the moment Um, Ayer comes out of that side and we really are struggling. Top top of the pitch, you know, Griffiths is more of the experienced player in the same category as, as James Forrest and Callum McGregor. Who's coming through to take the Eddie's crown? Is it a Yeti? It doesn't look likely at the moment. I mean, he might turn it around. It's certainly not Kalmala, if you ask me. So, you know, it's it's quite grim when you look at that and about the only two kind of highlights you can see is Sorrow and Turnbull. But I take Sean's point. I think that is, you know, what we base our rebuild on.
2: I would say so Um, I think Sorrow and Turnbull are like you say, with so many of the other players that we have coming to the end of their cycle, um, Sorrow and Turnbull are really only at the start of theirs if we can keep hold of them for another three, four years even, they're still relatively young, the pair of them so um, build the team around them build their profile um I think they can pr- provide success for us what I would hate to happen to them is that the rest of the team crumbles around them and they're left uh they're left kind of carrying the can for a number of years through a through a transition period that I feel is definitely coming um Turbo might end up being more like mixed day in a lot of ways if that did happen but um not for the positive you know but i I think We can be too negative about that sometimes as well. You know, when Dembele left, when Musa Dembele left, we were in a situation where we wondered if we would find somebody to replace him. And I know that there was a bit of overlap between him and Eduard, but Eduard proved to be as much of a a linchpin to the team uh, in the years since Dembele's left as Dembele was beforehand. So, you know, I think... um, while it is easy to get downcast about the players that are, are leaving, I think that there's always the opportunity to, for the next uh, sort of hero to come in and, and take their place.
0: Now, Lee Griffiths comes off in 68 minutes. Um, Is that a concern for you, Laura? Because, I mean, we're now, we're moving into February uh, and Lee Griffiths still can't uh, be at full throttle for 90 minutes. And we've already mentioned Turnbull. I can understand Turnbull. You know, he he went a long time without football after such a a lengthy layoff uh, until he comes in against Lille. But Lee Griffiths, he's someone that you would hope at this stage of the season would be fit enough to to finish the 90 minutes. But it looks at, at the moment that he isn't.
2: No, I, he does. certainly doesn't look so as if he has. Um, and I think at the start of the season, with the issues he was having with fitness, they've been very slow to resolve themselves Whether at this point he's going to prove himself to be fit enough for a full ninety towards the end of the season, it uh, seems unlikely now. What would concern me more is. Uh, you know, if if Eduard, for example, if a last minute bid came in for him that we couldn't refuse or if he experienced an injury of some description, then your your main striker becomes Griffiths and you've either then got to use Clamalla or Ajeti, neither of whom have shown anything that proves they can be trusted in the long term. So you're in a situation where we've got four strikers, uh which is what the ideal situation should be for any team that regularly plays two up front. Four should be more than enough to get you through a season. And actually, what we've got is four on paper, but actually only one that we would absolutely want to see on the, the team sheet every week. Lee Griffiths is absolutely fantastic when he's...
1: It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers, and if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. John the pitch, but if
2: you can't last 90 minutes, then and he can only be so effective and um, and I think that he definitely needs to up his game in terms of fitness if we're going to be able to rely on him towards the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I mean we've won 2-0 tonight and the, the strikers get on the score sheet which is tremendous. I don't think many people would argue that we're better with two up top. Eddie and Griff are the two uh, first choices. Absolutely no doubt about it. How do you then get into a situation that for me, if... You know, Edward was to be lost for any reason. Laura, I actually think Neil Lennon would go one up top. Um, how do we get into that situation when we've got four strikers? I mean, a yeti comes in from West Ham. He comes in, um, obviously, with a bit of uh, kudos, a bit of... You know, he's got credentials, he's got calibre, £5 million from the EPL. He still doesn't look fit for me either. But again, how are you going to get fit? He's not getting enough minutes. Uh, He was pretty ineffective when he came on tonight, but it doesn't surprise me. Um, It's going to be difficult to get that third striker uh, up to the point where we can trust him.
2: Yeah, because at the moment it looks like Ajete is still the one that you would go with out of him in Klamala. But not for any other reason than he's played slightly more minutes and obviously got a few more goals, um, but neither of them look particularly up to up to scratch. But like you say, that fitness is going to be a big issue for them if they have to come in, you know. Griffiths is in a situation where game time can't be his excuse for lack of fitness because he's getting that game time. Uh, Ajeti and Klamala would have to be excused for a while because they would need four, five, six games to get up to speed. And we're already at a point where we've not got really very many games left in the season. So mm. would, they, would they even be able to get up to match fitness before the end of the season? Maybe if they came into the To the team against St. Mirren, but uh, beyond that, you know, they would be struggling
0: the thing with Griffiths and and what comes with the fitness is sharpness you know his goal was brilliant superb uh, strike by Griffiths but there was two two chances in the first half one of which was what I would describe as an absolute sitter and that was from McGregor's cross and he's you know he's kind of not made himself but um, that sharpness comes with the fitness as well for a striker Laura so Mm -hmm. you're looking at a difference between seven goals and and 20 goals for Griffiths if he's missing a couple of chances like that you're hoping that he can get his goal scoring touch back Um, um, now Highland Parry 2 comes in to, to bring up the point that Encham wasn't on the bench hope we sell him this window was he not on the bench due to the the fact that he was a COVID casualty do you think Laura?
2: Well I think that's um, I think that's something we need to appreciate um, obviously even though they are young, fit guys, um, this virus can affect people in different ways. You also got to consider the fact that Encham himself is, um, is black, or and the evidence suggests that ethnic minorities suffer the the effects of the virus more severely. So, this is all speculation, obviously, but you know you've got to you can't un un. Like sort of rule out the fact that he's maybe been more severely affected than just mild symptoms, and when it when it's a virus that mainly affects your lungs, then that's going to be a major issue for any footballer, particularly a midfielder who's having to, you know, very often cover most of the blades of grass on the pitch. So I hope that's not the case, because um, if it is the case, it might take him a while to come back. But if it is the case, then obviously you would want to wish him well.
0: When I, when I was looking at the the squad at the beginning of the season, Laura, we were obviously you know supplementing that with new signings. I was expecting to lose a few, and I, I kept saying that uh, the areas of the pitch that we could afford to lose players and sell players was basically that that area of the pitch. You know, Tom Roderick. Uh, Olivier and Cham I still believe that to be the case but we've already lost uh, Frimpong there are rumours flying about constantly about Ryan Christie but I would much rather you know look at and and Cham but what's the selling value now for players like that who really haven't you know, made a, a big contribution this season. I mean, what were we talking about, Roger, at the beginning of the year? It was four million quid. And Celtic fans are looking back at the the great Roger moments and thinking, you know, at one point he was worth double that, he was worth more than that. But actually when you're trying to get a twenty grand player off your, your wage bill, twenty grand a week player, you're not gonna get much more than three and a half to four million in the current climate, are you? I wouldn't
2: say so. I mean I think I think any chance that you had of getting a major um, fee for the players uh, concerned would have uh, already been reduced by the current situation going on. Combine that with the fact that none of them are playing at the top of their game, then you're absolutely going to have to end up minimising exactly how much you get in for them. I don't want us to therefore then resort to selling players on the cheap because we have to get some sort of cash flow in. Um, but it might end up being a serious consideration that they have to make because, as it's looking right now, you know, p- potential that anybody buying a season ticket might not even get in uh, at the start of next season. So um, we just need to we just need to sort of batten down the hatches as far as that's concerned and see where it takes us.
0: Now, we spoke We spoke at the top of the show, Laura about the effect of young players coming in and then basically being ditched either to the bench or completely out of the 20-man squad and we had a bit of sympathy for Conor uh, Hazard obviously obviously played a massive part in winning the Scottish Cup against Hearts but there are some points coming through one of note from Stephen McClevy. Barkas has been thrown under the bus too many times now I, I totally get that point he comes back from his injury where he's collided with Duffy and he's fit to play but Lenny sticks with Hazard then all of a sudden against Dundee United Barkas appears back in, in goals and now he's he's disappeared again I mean how often can a goalkeeper take that kind of blow to the confidence do you honestly think that Barkas might be on his way out Celtic are we looking maybe to cut our losses on the goalie
2: I can only assume that that's the case because if it's not then what Neil Lennon's done is managed to um, absolutely obliterate the confidence of both or two of the goalkeepers at the club You know, when when Conor Hazard played the the cup final, instead of coming out and saying uh, he did well enough to win us the match with his performance in the penalty shootout, at least, um, instead of coming out and backing him and saying, you know, he's played in one of our biggest matches, let's keep with him and and back him publicly, he came out and said, no, Barkas is my number one and uh, that's why he was brought to the club. If you're going to do that, then you have to follow through on that and you have to make it clear that he's your number one. I do not know what reason he didn't play for tonight. Uh, I, there's no reported injury that I'm aware of. Um, we haven't played for you know since last Wednesday, so it's not as if we've had a, a huge amount of games where he's just thought rotation was required. The only reason I can think he's not played him is, like you say, because he's maybe on in the process of, of leaving the club uh, mm. to cut his losses. I can't think of any other explanation for it, really
0: there's a couple of points coming in about the two strikers who aren't playing at the moment Laura uh, Zincovics reckons that a Yeti needs to go out and loan we need a new striker and Mark O'Brien feels sorry for Klamala tried his best every game but not a any favourite there is no doubt that Klamala is a tryer, isn't he he's a worker he's a bit of a workhorse he, you know, he'll run all day um, you know we all cheered when he scored against St Johnston that day after getting absolutely uh, clattered he gets up pulls himself up and I uh, agree finish he's shown little flashes of it but it's very difficult for a player to go 3-4 weeks with nothing to be thrown on and make an impact and that's what we're seeing with the Yeti and Klamala um, we don't have the room uh, the wiggle room to to give players up front a game because we're trying to get partnerships we're trying to develop a partnership at the back because of injuries we're trying to get our best partnership up top because we can't we simply cannot fall any further uh, behind Rangers at this stage so I do feel for Klamala. Um Ayeti for me um, I just think that Initially, the the signs were very, very good. And of course, at that time, we weren't playing Griffiths. Griffiths was completely out of the picture. Um, But, you know, he's become a bit of an enigma. You know, there's no doubt about uh, his ability, you just need to look at what he's done as a footballer, um, the performances for Bale that got him the big move to the English Premier League and then he comes up here, starts off brilliant and then just tails off, another point to note I guess is, like Salt, sitting on the bench tonight, I mean he was a revelation, first five or six games tailed off, now he's not even a first pick um, that happens absolutely, I'm not sitting here looking for reasons to have a dig at Lenny by saying that players um read Every time they play for them, but you know it seems to be a, a theme and a reoccurring theme of the Celtic side. would that um, concern you at all, or do you look at some of these players and think, you know what, they still have a part to play this season?
2: I think for in Klamala's case, I think the comment from the from the viewer was. Pretty much bang on, I think uh Lenin has suffered from having favorites and and having people who he definitely does not consider favorites, and I think Clamala very firmly falls into that category. I don't think that, while he's not been absolutely outstanding, I don't think, as you said, that you can fault his work rate. And I think where strikers are concerned, you very rarely find a striker who works hard and doesn't get goals. Um, it's very much a, a position where putting the, the work in will get you into the right places to, to score the goals. And maybe maybe there is more to him there. Um, but it smacks of uh, not being a Lennon favourite and perhaps Pop possibly not even being a Lennon choice to have come in. Uh, and is that the reason that he's not playing? Well, We'll never really know the full story, but what, what's uh, clear is that while everybody's going on about the waste of money that Duffy, um, Ajeti and Barkas have been, uh, I think the fee that was paid for Clamalla, um was something around three and a half million and he's seen less game time than the rest of them. So that's another huge chunk of cash that uh, through for me through no fault of the player uh, himself has been a, a huge waste of money for us
0: I know, Uh, you know, he comes in at the same time as Soro, he was in and around the team far earlier than Soro was, but you look at the impact that he's made, Um, and I I keep saying, you know, a player like Clamalla, we surely as a club, with the investment we have in youth, and the fact that uh, we have the pick of the best players in the country, and we have had for the last decade, what have we produced from that, you know, because we should be able to produce a player at least of the ability of Patrick Clamalla would he be anywhere near the first team? Would Clamalla be anywhere near the first team had we not spent £3.5 million on them? My answer would be absolutely not. Now there's a message coming in from Facebook, the chase is on, Hill Hill now I was brought up with fairy tales at Celtic <laughs> My, the first season I started going to the games was a centenary year so that whole season was built on fairy tales and even I don't think the chase is on. Um, you know it's one of these things that until it's mathematically impossible there is always a tiny wee glimmer of hope but you're watching the game tonight I didn't really believe that you know Hibs were going to get anything at Easter Road, and by the the same token, I didn't think Celtic were going to drop anything tonight. There's going to be many more days like this between now and the the end of the season.
2: And the other thing to say as well is, like you said, we were playing the worst team by a by a significant amount in the league tonight, Mm -hmm. and we didn't blow them away. I, I don't see us going through, even with the, the number of games left, I don't see us going through the rest of the season uh, especially when the split happens uh, without dropping more points. There's much better teams than Hamilton in the league and I think we'll be showing up for that if we don't uh, up our games significantly.
0: Well, this is the thing with regards to the, the goal difference, Laura. We need to win absolutely every game and look for another few snookers um, along the way. So, you know, it is unlikely, as it's got to be said. We'll be covering it every step of the way. But as I said bef- at the very beginning of the, the, the post match, Laura, um, you know, Celtic were wearing black armbands tonight. And that was in tribute to Dr. Joe Venglos, our ex manager, and Johannes Shuggy Edvaldsen, who actually was signed by Sean Fallon this was during the season when you know, Jock's team had been involved in a, a near fatal car crash and a whole season um, was required for him to recuperate. Sean Fallon, the uh, trusted uh, assistant manager came in and took the team for the entire season uh, it looked brilliant for the best part of that season and became the tailed off near the end, but one thing he did do is he brought in players like Edvaldson, he also brought in Johnny Doyle, who went on to be part of that famous 10 men uh, winning the league team, as did Shoggy, and he introduced a lot of the young players that that then you know represented Celtic for many many years to come. So Sean Fallon had a big part in uh, Shoggy Celtic career, but I mean Vengloss was a player I believe or not. I'm too uh, young to remember uh, Edvaldson. But I, I do remember, of course, uh, Dr. Joe. Dr. Joe taking over from Vim Jansen. Brilliant signing record when you look at the fact that he brings in Viduka, Mialbi, Muravchik. What's your memories of that era at Celtic, Laura?
2: I mean, I was uh, the f- the first real Celtic team I remember falling in love with was the Tommy Burns team, so the the cadet Van Hoidonk the Canio team. So that was always going to be a very hard one to follow up on. Um, and winning the league with Vin Jansen certainly did as much of that as possible. Um, I think uh, what I remember of Doctor Joe and what what is coming across in the in the comments and the reflections on on the time he had at Celtic was. You know, it was treated, and I remember even even as a kid I would read the papers and, and that kind of thing. He was treated absolutely atrociously. Now he, he didn't have a a brilliant record. I think I did um some statistics uh last week and he certainly came out, you know, in the season he was sacked, he was by far the worst uh, manager of the last twenty years in terms of um points and things. But the one thing that you can't take away from him, like you he say is his signing record or he's the way he held himself, the way he conducted himself. He was, he was treated abhorrently in some corners of the press for various reasons, um, and uh, you know, he, he came in a bit of a joke figure, this Doctor Who, and that was just like you were talking to David Slate last uh, today. That was actually, um, and he was saying it was just a symptom of the kind of parochial way in which the Scottish uh, press used to uh operate and i think that was he was a major victim of that i think you only need to look at what people are saying about him now to realize very often um success and everything comes and it goes and you um can be remembered for that but you can also be remembered for the type of person that you are and people remember him very fondly even though he was probably one of our least successful managers you know if 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 current people at the club had handled them the way that he did, then maybe we wouldn't have quite the opinions of them that we do have, even though we are kind of crumbling. And I think I think people need to remember that, uh, you know, somebody who is, uh, manages themselves and handles themselves with dignity is much more fondly remembered in spite of their lack of achievement than somebody who does the opposite, I think.
0: No, you're right. And his legacy obviously is... Uh, People like Maravchik. Uh, you look at Viduca, and as Kevin Graham quite rightly said on Monday, you know, the trade off was basically we sold Viduca, we bought Chris Sutton. So you then start looking into the Martin O'Neill era two seasons uh, later, where Mialbi was a massive part of that. You know, Maravchik was coming to the end of his career, of course, but he gave us some fantastic memories. And one thing that stuck with me, I was reading some of the, the comments that had been made over the years, and I was reading a, an interview from Jock Brown and what he said was a, there was a conversation between him and Dr Joe where he said, you know, the difference between a good side and a bad uh, and a great side is a good side might have one game-changer whereas a great side might have three. Uh, we've only got one and that's uh, Henrik Larsson. So the second one that he wanted was Lubomir Avchik. So they went to watch him. When we look at this Celtic side, um, Laura, how many game-changers have we got on this side? Is it only Edward? Do you still think that, that Griff is a game-changer?
2: I actually think that uh, game changers in the mould of a Moravchik or a Larson who really can produce moments of magic, I I think Turnbull could fit into that category in in time. Um, The longer he's at the club, the more experience he gets, the more confidence he hopefully builds. I really think he can be the player we can rely on to... like unlock defences and, and provide those moments of magic. Um, Rodzic has provided that in the past for us, but uh, I don't think he does it consistently enough uh, to be considered in that particular bracket. Um, and apart from that, yeah, yeah you're struggling. You know, uh, to me, to me, Larson was magical um, and Lubo was magical, but in a very different way. You know, he... he Lubel wasn't all about goals even though he could take free kicks with either foot and he could score goals from outside the box but very often it was just wee moments of magic between the midfield and the strike force that he could uh, that he could uh, you know, supply I, I don't think, you know, for example a certain. Coming up to to Celtic would have been as successful without a there to to put things on a plate for him. So, um, but yeah, from the current from the current setup, I think David Turnbull, given time, could have that. But I'd be struggling to name somebody else who who I think fits into that category.
0: I think one of the things that Kevin Graham always says about uh, Doctor Joe's time is that he really needed to get uh, a full pre-season and he needed to get his signings in. Uh, in that pre-season all these years later and it's the same old story as Celtic but Paul Patrick makes that point Big Viduka going AWOL as soon as he signed didn't help absolutely because you've seen the quality of Mark Viduka when he did come back from that um, exile but yeah we will remember them in our thoughts and prayers tonight Celtic got a 2-0 win comprehensive enough and we look ahead to Saturday's game against St Mirren thanks everybody for getting involved on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube we're here all season and beyond covering Every single move at Celtic Park. All that's left for me to say is Laura Bradburn. Thanks again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.